And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at the University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. Guys, welcome to the Oakland Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. This is the post-game edition, and uh, coming off another second straight loss, man. Uh, I'm your host, Kamir Amravin, and joined by Stephen Brown to talk about it. Uh, Iowa State, man, 37-30. to 30. What are, you, what are your re- immediate reactions, and what were you thinking during this game? Uh, I mean, just it's just another one of those stories you've seen before where OU, um, they get up, uh, you know, what was it, seven this time? Yep. Um, but they have the lead at halftime. They go into the second half and just completely shut down. I just, I, I don't understand what the, I mean, of course we know the issues with this team, right? Like, they're pretty glaring. But I just, yeah, like you said, you know, Oklahoma, they were up by 11 in the first half. And... They had the opportunity to go up 18, and I think this is one of the plays, I think this is one of the series that Iowa State, they had like a trick play, and Oklahoma made a stupid penalty, and so all of a sudden, your lead that could have gone to 18 before half shrunk to, what, four before half? And then, yeah. and then you saw the second half, and Oklahoma, they take, you know, they, they get the strip sack, they take a seven-point lead, and you're thinking, all right, like, one more stop, and Oklahoma could effectively really just end this game. And, of course, it's not what we saw. So, I mean, I picked Oklahoma to lose 34-28, to 28, uh, so I wasn't too far off regarding the, the differential between the points that they lost by. But just really, really, really disappointing. And we'll get to a lot more about this game as we go on in the podcast. But, I mean... This morning and even last night, lots of players tweeting, lots of people tweeting at players, which is a no. Don't do that. Like, why Why tweet at players? <laughs> to show you know more than them. <sighs> I just don't. Even don't former care. players. Oh, I saw Jordan Phillips. Did you see his tweet? Oh, I didn't see that one. I was talking about, uh, I think it was Ryan Jones. I believe it was Ryan Jones who tweeted something about, oh, it's the coach's fault or something. Ryan Jones can shut the fuck up. Like, Ryan Jones has been angry at the staff for... Since he got there. Since he got there. (laughs) And remember when uh, all the social justice and uh, civil rights movements were happening this summer and Sooners notoriously, I think it's Pat Fields was saying along the lines of, you know, they were wondering why Lincoln Riley is so quiet. And Ryan Jones was the first one to say, all he does is tweet those eyeball emojis and say how much he loves you (laughs) then, and then he gets you on campus. And then Lincoln Riley, like a day later, came out and, of course, did all the stuff and shut the fuck up to Ryan Jones. Like, God, that dude needs a shut. Where is he? East Carolina, right? Uh, I have no idea. I think he's East Carolina. Or does he have an offer from East Carolina? I don't even know. Ryan Jones can... Like, Jordan Phillips straight up said to rebuild from the ground up, and I was like, wow, homie, like... That's a little... Man. They went to three straight college football playoffs. I mean, you really want to do this right now? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, it's not a complete teardown, but... um, I think, like, the most... 
no- notable uh, tweet was Bryson Washington. What did he say? Uh, basically saying free uh, himself and Josh Eaton. I think that was like around midnight or 1 o'clock. So back. I did not see those spicy tweets. I got I a was... screenshot because I knew he was going to delete it. Mm. But essentially, I mean, I can't argue with him. I think, I think no, he's he right. I think he's right in that instance. I mean, he's athletic. He's physical. He's taller. All the things you need in a defense right now. I, I mean... I get it. Like, Buki's had really good games. He's also had piss-poor games. I mean, I, I think we can all agree with that. But, man, I, I thought that some of that defensive back play last night was the worst we've ever seen in Oklahoma. That's saying a lot, but I, I think it doesn't help that, of course, Iowa State's the offensive players were a foot taller than everybody else. Yeah, and that <clears throat> goes back to... We're kind of at that stopgap between guys that from the Stoops era, and then we talked about this before the podcast. These guys are getting phased out. The five ten DB um, is on its last leg, but at the same time, you don't have the Bryson Washingtons or the Josh Eatons ready because they're mm-hmm. so young. You think those guys get a lot more of shots in the second half of the season? I think Bryson Washington has a shot because I did not like what I saw from safety, um, and that goes with Delarian Turner, Yell, and Pat Fields. What pisses me off the most is that there were several times in which, especially Pat Fields, had a chance to intercept about three balls, and he smacked down two of them instead of trying to catch. And then the third one, he actually almost did catch it, but it was a good it was a good play by the receiver. So I'm gonna leave him. I'm gonna give him credit for that one. But man, like if you're in the end zone, <laughs> you have to try to catch that. You can't smack it down. Like this is a game of possessions. Yeah, so that's I just, ten points that they gave to Iowa State because they didn't, they didn't create those turnovers. It's just it's just it's frustrating. It it really it's really frustrating. So, tweeting at players is stupid. Don't do it. Tweeting at coaches is stupid. Tweeting for Riley's head or Grinch's head is dumb. That's I don't understand players or not players. I don't understand people that are doing that already. I mean, it's not like Oklahoma wasn't one and two just the other season uh, when they played Houston in uh, what was State. it? Yeah, Houston and Ohio State. And, I mean, they were one and two. <laughs> and people weren't calling for the heads then. We just knew they, the shit was maybe going to hit the fan if they didn't start winning, which they did. But, of course, there are different circumstances here. You don't have a senior or a junior Baker Mayfield. You have a freshman Spencer Rattler. <laughs> so, I mean, and speaking of Rattler, he played really well. And, Rat- and to, his, to his credit... Rattler's played incredibly well this season. I mean, yes, has he has he turned the ball over in critical moments? Sure. I mean, yeah, we get it. We he has. But again, if we we talked about this several times coming into the season, if the bar is 2015 Baker Mayfield already so far, he has a higher per- completion percentage. He has a higher, much higher QB rating. He uh, he's just he's just a better quarterback at this time than Baker Mayfield was in 2015. But his offensive linemen is not his offensive linemen are not doing shit and like I I can't fathom that. And the best running back that they have right now is Seth McGowan. Yeah, I, th- I mean I thought TJ Pledger really had some nice moments in that game, um, especially with the the pass blocking. I think that play yeah. got negated by penalty, um, but he's really kind of stepped up um, and given them kind of a one-two punch with McGowan. 
Um, but as far as the offensive line, it's terrible. Um, there just doesn't seem to be that much chemistry. Uh, you don't have that that uh, that bully on that offensive line like you had with Orlando Brown or Creed or uh, Cody Ford. So they've taken a big step back. They need to figure some, uh, some things out. And I don't understand because they they staggered the left tackles again between Swenson and Harrison, which I'd hate. I thought so that was much. interesting. Against a really good defensive team like Iowa State, that is that's kind of unacceptable to me, anyways. Um, but I don't understand why the offensive line is so bad. I mean, when you return all those starters from those last year, and then you're adding additional guys, and your your depth and Bray Walker and your depth and and all the other guys you've had are are there. You've recruited quality depth, and we've been talking about this for like seems like forever. Beatenboe keeps on stacking the line with quality depth, quality depth, quality depth, and they just can't they they just can't get it together. And you know, you mentioned that it, it part of its conditioning thing before the podcast, which I, I I agree. I mean, especially as the game goes on, those dudes are gonna get tired. But there there shouldn't be that much of a chemistry issue with these dudes all playing the same positions as last year. Right. That that like they looked pretty good, and of course, you know Jalen Hurts. He he run he took off running the at the side of first trouble, which that's what Spencer Rattler did early on in the game, and he. Uh, I, I need this man to slide a lot more uh, before he gets his head knocked loose, but it, yeah, it worked. In the first sign of trouble, he he went up, and God, he. I really hated the fact that he jumped. Like, yeah, it looked cool him diving <laughs> in the end zone, but dude. We they need you so much more than anything else on that team. He needs to not do. It. But what what could be what could be a reason why the offensive line is so bad right now? Like you know, Coach Beatenbow is angry every moment of the day. Right, and it's it's kind of hard to diagnose. I mean, it's just like they don't have that killer mentality. They don't they don't want to go out there and push people around. Um, and it doesn't look like they've you know conditioning wise they haven't lost much strength. Um, the one thing would be is like they're just out of shape, um, but at the same time they're getting just pushed around, mm-hmm. um, missing blocks, just standing there watching guys go by him. So uh, I wonder if you don't just pull one of those guys and just throw an Andrew Rame just to send a message to everybody else. Yeah, like maybe supplanting a Marquise Hayes for Andrew Rame, or maybe the opposite side supplanting a Tyrus Robinson for Andrew Rame because right. Andrew Rame when he was in the other day against Kansas State. Honestly, didn't look that much different, and the run blocking was a little bit quicker as far as far as, as far as where they're supposed to be to block for the running back. Because notably, like looking at the offensive line, this is my perspective, and I want to get yours. They do look a little bit slower when they're pulling and when they're going on these counters. They do look notably slower to me. Do you, are you get are you feeling that same thing, or is it just me? No, I feel the same thing. And it's not just the counters. I mean, it's just the, like stepping out to a block. They just seem like a step behind every time. So I don't, I really don't understand. But of course, I mean, they need, they need to get better. It's, and there's nothing else you can say about it. I mean, this team will go as the offensive line goes. And as this offensive line has been the way it will be, uh, this team will be very average with a lot of talent on it this year. And then next year, hopefully, of course, they should take a step forward with a better off season they'll lose weight <laughs> and uh, get back on track next year but if the offensive line is this this way and of course every offensive line they progress throughout the year 
So this team will probably be pretty good by the end of the by the end of the year. But you know, if you if you suffer three losses at the beginning of the year, it's not going to be as happy as an ending as you would want it to be, as if it was an Asian massage parlor, I guess. But <laughs> I mentioned this a long time ago. This is one of my fears about this team was CD Lamb going and playing in about what five minutes. They don't have a go-to receiver. The Theos last night. I asked, like last night, I asked Twitter. I was like, "Are the Theos dead?" <laughs> they don't because there. I haven't seen a Theos target. And when we did, it started raining and it slipped through his hands. And like, I can't fault him for that, but as much as I can, because it literally hit him in the hands. So it might have surprised him uh, because there was like three guys all around him, but the ball was thrown really well. Um, Theo Howard, he got that one really important ball on fourth down, I think, or maybe he's a third down and long, but man, they were non-existent. Um, Mims didn't really have a game. You had Rambo had that one long catch and a fourth down catch at the end of the game, but <laughs> Stogner is the go-to. He should be the go-to, it seems like. And you know, if the the guys catching touchdown passes are H-backs and tight ends and not receivers, you might have some problems. So I, I think not having a go-to receiver, I mean, Drake Stoops had to come up clutch. <laughs> you know, and yeah, we're laughing. Like, like, that's the where we're at right now. And so not having a game. go-to receiver is just, it's it's affecting the team more than a lot of people anticipated. But I have been like screaming this, like not having a very good receiver and just having a lot of like, pretty good guys but not really good guys is detrimental to this offense yeah we talked about it on discord last night and you just mentioned it before i think stogner's becoming that guy that's going to demand uh bracket coverage or double coverage um, but right now they don't have to double anybody they can just spread their coverage out and it makes it that much tougher for guys to get open um the one thing that could change it um maybe you get Jaden hazelwood back because uh, we thought, you know, maybe Rambo was going to be that guy with the speed, but he's doing the same thing that Trey Sermon did, and he just dances around and goes nowhere. God. I mean, that's not his his game isn't east and west; it's north and south. Um, so that's really taken Oklahoma's offense back. Um, so I don't know if you just go another direction because he's not playing the way he should. And Oklahoma has so much youth on offense. I mean, Stogner's so young. <laughs> Rattler is young. McGowan's young. Everybody's young. You know, even the receivers are young. And that was, that was, there was nothing more prominent on display when McGowan was trying to get more yards and he tried to reverse field and lost like eight yards, you know, trying to make a play because the older guys aren't doing shit, on, especially on defense. And so, I mean, like, let's talk about the defense. They, they played relatively well. For the first two snaps of each series, the first and second down, I mean, yeah, they had some missed tackles on Brees Hall. Definitely they did. He's a good running back, but this defense should be tackling better. Brian Mead wrapped up more than the other linebackers did, which makes me sad. But, I mean, they played well for the first two downs for the majority of the series, but they couldn't put them away on third down. And I'm talking like, I'm not talking third and two. I'm talking third and five, third and seven, getting Brock Purdy in those situations where you want them and not coming up with interceptions when they should have, not stopping them on third down. And a lot of it was they would get the initial hit on a shoulder tackle, but then 
they would just power forward through a first down and get it right at like right at the line or a couple yards after if they needed to convert if it wasn't a gash play and so Oklahoma's defense I I can't get a good grasp on them I feel like the defensive line is okay I don't think they're bad and I think with the addition of Ronnie Perkins this coming week against Texas I mean Ronnie Perkins could have played against Iowa State I, right yeah, I mean, he doesn't need much. Uh, you just throw some pads on, he's good to go. So I don't understand why he they would hold him hold him out of that. I mean, and the defensive line's about to get a boost from the, probably the best defensive player on the team, <laughs> right? And it gives your defensive voice. I don't think anybody else on that defense has really stepped up to that leadership role. Yeah, you can be a captain, but, I mean, a captain on the sidelines isn't as significant as a captain that's playing right. every down. And so the defense line about is about to get a, a much needed boost, but in the linebackers were okay, but man, the secondary just killed all night. Buki's worst performance I've seen ever, and that says a lot because he got knocked out cold against Kansas State a couple years ago, and he's had a lot more worse games. And just I've seen he he was terrible, just awful, awful, bad angles to tackles, bad angles to balls. Not playing the balls, and then when they did call him for a pass interference, it was not. It was not even a pass interference. It was that was clearly an offensive yeah, pass interference, and that was a very good play on his part. The best play of his on of his night was called defensive pass interference, which it shouldn't have been. That was a really good play by him, being you know a foot and a half shorter than Charlie Kolar. So I just I don't understand. So Grinch says, like you said, I mean it's an easy fix, but it's not. It's not. It's, it's it's a tough one. It's like what 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 does he mean by that? I think a lot of people took it out of context last night, um, and rightfully so. I mean, you're angry. You just lost your second game in a row, um, but it's really not that. I mean, the the fix is simple. You just got to get better players, <laughs> and they don't have them right now. And you know, maybe they have some young guys that that can be those guys, but they're not ready. They haven't been in the weight room for a full off season. They haven't they haven't had that game experience. So you can't realistically expect them to go out there and do much of anything different. Um, so when he says it's not easy, you just can't go out there and get better players overnight. That's just, I mean, that's just not how college football works. If Oklahoma is able just to wrap up, they help too. probably win that game. They get Ohio State, Iowa State, excuse me, behind the chains several times. And I just, I don't, I don't understand. And the, the the turnover thing i think it's i think it's become a thing to where they're trying actively too hard in the back of their brains to get a turnover and that it it affects them mentally to not catch a ball for them that's easily laid out there cuz they had five chances to force turnovers at least five i think they had actually actually six they got one and that led to positive you know, that that led to 100% a positive play. They got in the end zone, and they went up seven. And yeah. then this team just, I guess, momentum is lost on them, right? <laughs> the next play is an Iowa State 90-yard return down to, like, the 10-yard line on the opposite end. And then that isn't even that doesn't even mention about what was – I can't remember what point this, this part of the game was, but – I distinctly remember thinking if Oklahoma can get the ball back, they could really put it on Iowa State. And it was a third down. Brock Purdy fumbled the ball, but but got it back. But Trey Brown 
was called for defensive holding. Wasn't it they were tied toward the end of the um, game? I'm not sure. There's another moment in there where I think they were still up by seven. Uh, when I was like, if, if OU gets a stop here and they can go score, they, they effectively, you know, they can outrun Iowa State and they just didn't do it. They don't have that, that killer mentality to put t- uh, teams away. We've talked about it before. Um, that it just is missing. And it's not missing from just the players. It's missing from Lincoln Riley as well. Yeah, and that's something that's something I want to talk about. You know, it's Lincoln's team. It it is officially Lincoln's team now. It's it's not. There's no longer any remnant of Bob Stoops with the program, other than his son Drake. Um, Mike Stoops has basically got another year left of his stink on the defense, but it's effectively Lincoln Riley's team, and you know everything is emulated from the top down. And I think, how, what do you? What do you put on Lincoln Riley? What what do you say? What do you what do you say about his performance and why? I, I guess I'm at a loss for words. I just I don't understand why the team would be reacting in such a way now, other than just their youth. Is it just their youth, and he has been used to having veteran quarterbacks? I think a little bit of it is youth because he hasn't had to be that voice when you have Baker Mayfield or if you have Kyler Murray walking through the door, everybody's going to look at him. Yeah, or or so, Kenneth Murray too. Kenneth Murray as well. So um, I think a little bit is he hasn't been in this position before where he has to be that voice, right? He's just in the background um, game planning, calling plays, and that's fine. Um, but then you look at a guy like Nick Saban. I mean, he's always in faces. He's always that guy. He's always the voice of the team no matter who you have on that, that that squad. And they've had several NFL guys on there. But no matter what, Saban sticks out the most. And I don't think Lincoln Riley is that guy. I don't think he is either. And it seemed like all night this team, and especially the the Kansas State game when the when it got really hairy toward the end, it seemed like the team would take maybe one step forward and but then immediately take two steps back. But especially last night, it felt like all night, I mean, like Oklahoma, it was a competitive game. And that's what a lot of people expected. I mean, I think we all expected it to be competitive. I think if you expected this game to be a blowout, you were maybe fooling yourself. Um, because, yes, Iowa State lost to, well, who was it, Louisiana Lafayette, or I guess just now known as Louisiana. But that's a good Louisiana team. Like, I mean, they're not going to be, they're not going to go be an SEC team. But they're not, like, not going to be like Alabama or Florida. But they're a good team. And... So, Iowa State, they're a tough team. They're a tough matchup. Brock Purdy's a good quarterback. They've got tall guys, and Oklahoma does not have tall guys. And so, I feel like all night, although the game was competitive and Oklahoma had several chances to really go up 14, uh, two, three scores, they just they couldn't, they couldn't execute. And I think that's what we talked about last week, which was, hey, you know, like, are they going to execute? Are they going to execute? They should come out more crisp. And they did come out more crisp. That, and that's why I think I'm so pissed off about this loss is that they came out more crisp. The run game looked really pretty okay, especially they did a lot of, a lot more read option in the beginning of the game than they did toward the end when they just stopped running the ball. And then this, they fell flat on their face. And I think, and, and for anybody to talk about the offense, oh man, Jarvis Landry just threw a touchdown pass to Odo Beckham. That's incredible. Dang it. I should have started Jarvis Landry. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> crap. Recording this on Sunday, by the way. I, uh, <laughs> but I just, I just don't understand what in the world was going on and, and with with that team, and there's just, there's just so many things to happen with this team because I think this team is a good team. I think right now 
They look average. And the offense, for the most part, wouldn't you say the offense had a good night, even though they had bad issues on the offensive line? I mean, they put 30 points on Iowa State. And should you actually get another one of those turnovers, or should the defense actually stop them on third down? Oklahoma could have easily scored 40. Yeah, I was thinking about how it graded. I'm, I'd like to give it a B. I think I'm going to go with the C plus because um, I like some things they did. I like the running game early. I liked what Spencer Rattler did early. Uh, but at the same time, you still have those mistakes on the offensive line. You have Weiss dropping a pass. You have Obiallo dropping a touchdown. Um, and those things, they kind of killed it for the offense. And they those would have been, what, 14 points yep. if they make those two plays. So I, I can't go higher than a C plus. That's fair. That's fair. So, anyways, we're going to head to a break for our sponsors. But after that, we're talking about things about maybe some recruiting and how this maybe might affect recruiting if should Oklahoma go 1-3 and three and look very average for the rest of the year. Maybe some things that Oklahoma can fix, other things they can't fix, and other things along that nature. So, we'll check you guys in a second. All right. So, Oklahoma's heading into the Red River Shootout or Showdown, whatever they want to call it. One and two. Texas should be one and two, but they, of course, are two and one after following the TCU at the goal line the other day. Let's say Oklahoma falls to one and three. At what point does this really start to impact and affect recruiting with teams like Oklahoma State and TCU and even Texas Tech, who can throw it over the yard with those teams still on deck? What, is, Especially with an Oklahoma offensive line that, a running attack has not really formid- has not been formidable, has not shown itself. So at what point does this really just start to affect recruiting? I think after that one and three start, if you go that down that route, um, that's when you start seeing guys kind of waver. I don't think it's like Caleb Williams or anything, no, but yeah. you look at like a guy like Kamar Wheaton, like why would I want to go here if I'm only get, you know, ten carries and I'm not gonna get like what, forty seven yards? Mm-hmm. In a running game with an offensive line that's just really not, it's not where it needs to be. But at the same time, I think you can spin this, and this is what a lot of programs do mm-hmm. when they get a new hire or when they have that that switching of the guard is, hey, there's a lot of opportunity here for you to get in and play early because we think you can be that guy. So I'm not too worried about Oklahoma's recruiting right now, but if you go one and three, one and four, something like that, then you know you really start to get concerned. And why wouldn't you? I mean, who's the, isn't the team oh, right after the Red River Shootout? Isn't that TCU? I believe it's TCU right after. Yeah. Gosh, man, it's like the back half of the schedule is not loaded at all, and they'll have Oklahoma will have all their suspended players back. But it's just like I started to think about it, man. Like, because of course, not a lot of people understand how recruiting works, like at all. They're like, oh, Oklahoma lost the game. Looks like Kay Williams gonna decommit. That's that's <laughs> not how any of this works, homie. Like that's He's not that game saying, Oh man, I could just beat Spencer Rattler. Yeah. <laughs> I could be that guy. I just I don't that's not how any of this works. The players develop relationships with the coaches and does I mean, does the on does the on product on the field product matter? Yeah. I mean Joe Mixon said himself that the Sugar Bowl against Alabama really helped him solidify choosing OU. I mean, it does winning games does matter. But it doesn't matter as much as you, as people think it would. I mean, in in uh, does, if Oklahoma starts to go, you know, lose four games, 
in the years subsequently after this one, well, then, yeah, it, it is. It is going to matter. But I don't think you can say, all right, this coach has been to college football playoffs three straight years. Oh, oh, he had a bad year. He sucks now. This team is going down the toilet. You can't say that. But at the same time, you can look at what they're doing right now and just see, hey, the shit is hitting the fan. And it is officially going to hit the fan next week if Oklahoma does not take care of business down in Dallas, in which it seems like both these Oklahoma and Texas teams are highly overrated heading into the season. I mean, they both have their own share of problems. And uh, it's, it's I think that's a fair thing to say. So what of any of this can be fixed and what cannot be fixed? I don't think the tackling can be fixed, honestly. I don't think that's an overnight thing. Um, just because it's, it's just not a mentality of these guys want to be physical, right? Right. Like you can't make a guy want to go hit a dude that's just floating in the air or if he's just stumbling on the you know the eight yard line and he just walks his way into the end zone. You can't you can't coach that. That like you either have it or you don't. So I don't think tackling can be fixed. I think offensive line problems. I think you can fix that. And if that you know if that means putting a new guy in, maybe get Chris Murray back. Um, that really solidifies your offensive line. Uh, kind of wakes people up. So I think offensive line issues. I don't think they're too broken where they where we're gonna have to worry about it all season. Right. I mean. It could be like the 2015 season, right, where Oklahoma, in the beginning of the year, Baker Mayfield's running for his life against Tulsa, and we have been seeing that with Spencer Rattler. And then as the year progresses, they said, all right, fine, we're going to take out Josiah St. John and put in true freshman Drew Samia at right tackle before he shifted to guard. And then they started to gel, and things started to get a lot better. So that's why I was very pissed off, and CeeDee Lamb scored a touchdown. Um, but that's why I was pissed off that – they were they were staggering Anton Harrison in Eric Swenson. I mean, if it's that close at left tackle, why are you going with the guy that has shown you nothing last year? Go with the he's a true freshman. Go with the freshman. He he has much higher upside. His ceiling right. his ceiling is not only higher than Eric Swenson, but his floor is obviously higher than Eric Swenson. Why are you testing this out? That makes no sense to me at all. So I, th- I agree. I think the offensive line can be fixed, uh, but it will take time. Um, I think that the receivers, obviously, they, I think they can't be fixed. You have what you have, and that's an issue. That is a huge issue. And going to the season, we all thought, oh, yeah, I mean, like, Oakland's going to lean on the offensive line with the run game, play action. It'll be okay. They can foster uh, Spencer Rattler's development. And, boy, was that take very wrong. <laughs> that was a very wrong take. And so – you know, there are things uh, you can't fix, like the defensive backs. They're small, and they don't want to hit. I mean, they okay, that's unfair. That's unfair generalization because there are dudes that want to hit back there. There really are. But maybe they just – this. it was a piss-poor game, to say the <laughs> least. But yeah, they, look ta- they look terrible. They just – they look terrible. Does Jaden Hazelwood and uh, Trajan Bridges coming back do anything for you? I think it moves the needle, especially Jaden Hazelwood. I think it does. Yeah. I'm gonna I mean, both there. I, I, maybe not Trajan Bridges, but if we only saw like he played freaking defensive back for like two games last year. But I, I think, think Bridges takes that Stoops role. That's and fair. Does a little bit more with it. I mean, three five star receivers, Jaden Hazelwood. We all know how talented he is, and I think him being out really cratered Oklahoma what they were able to do. Now Austin Stogner holding it down. 
that would be nice until Jaden Hazelwood could possibly get back. But they need more receivers. I mean, we could talk about this all day. I mean, right now, Oklahoma, their best players have been Spencer Rattler, Austin Stogner, Seth McGowan, and in spurts, Marvin Mims. All freshmen, except Stogner. All on offense. On offense. That's not it's not acceptable. But at the same time, we all knew this year was going to be an interesting year, despite the pandemic. This was before the fucking pandemic, right? We all knew this year was going to be weird as a gateway to 2021 and 2022, where this team should be really good. But I think we're just now seeing, oh, wow, like under the hood, how bad this could be. And it's not really like it's not even like this team is bad. I mean, the Kansas State team, they should have won. They should have, like, at, would they, they were ahead 21 points several times. And now it's just a matter right. of putting them away. This team against Iowa State, they could have gone up 18. And they just, they, they, of course, and Iowa State's a good team. So give them that. And it was a competitive game all throughout the night. And in Oklahoma right now, what you're seeing is you're not seeing a bad Oklahoma team. They're still going to beat the shit out of Kansas. But, I mean, you're seeing a very average Oklahoma team right now. You're seeing a very young, average Oklahoma team. And so what I'm going to ask is, A, how much better will this Oklahoma team be with the additions of Perkins this weekend, but subsequently after Stevenson and Bridges? And then where do you place the majority of the blame? Do you place it on Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch, or are you place it on players? Is it like last week where you just place it all around? <laughs> I think how much better uh, it takes. It, they'll win against Kansas State if they have those guys, I think. Because Perkins gives you a pass rush, so you don't have him sitting in the backfield for so long. Um, Stevenson, he gives you more of a physical run game. And then Bridges, I mean, it's just another target that you know they have to account for. Um, I don't think they went against Iowa State last night with those guys. I just don't think. They was all there together. There what that's not enough. Those three guys can do um, to take OU where they needed to be. Um, but where the blame lies, I mean, you can throw it on the players. Uh, at the same time, I'm still looking at Lincoln Riley because you have to find a way to get these guys engaged and keep them like keep them engaged the entire game. And that's been the issue. Is like the first half isn't an issue. It's the second half where they come out of halftime and they look dead, pretty much. I feel like they've been watching too many Thunder games. Yeah, probably. That, that's a little I, PTSD. But yeah, I just I think I mean people shit on Stoops for ages about him being a bad motivator, and it's like, well, I mean, <laughs> what are we working with here? I mean, it doesn't seem like Lincoln Riley's the the, the best motivator in the world either. If, if, if that's what we're operating off of, and so I, I, th- I think the team is. I think the team. It has a lot of potential, and I think, like I said earlier, I think I think the team can be pretty good by the end of the year. But damn, a one and three start is gonna crater that, you know. And what about dudes? And we talked about this for the podcast. What about dudes that are on the edge or on the precipice of maybe thinking about entering the NFL draft early, Sp- specifically Creed Humphrey? Speaking of that, uh, C.D. Lamb just caught a big touchdown, but a. F- 43 yarder yeah first of many 
Um, guys that could leave early. I mean, Perkins would be one of those guys because I think his talent's good enough where, um, you know, there's not too much of a difference between going, you know, second and third and fourth and fifth for him. Um, but a guy like Creed Humphrey, who's been talked about as a first-round pick, he, it seems like he would have to come back because you're going from, you know, late one to first. five. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Like you from late first and second round pick to fourth round pick because of how the season has gone. Like you do lose a ton of money. So this, this might have him coming back again, but who knows? I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy to think about that. But I mean, what is all of this right now suggest about Lincoln Riley's ability to lead this team? Do you think that he has to change his style or do you think if, if he does change his style it could alienate the players like what do you think his approach should be and like what's wrong with his approach right now i don't think he has to completely change but he does have to adapt and i think the one thing we kind of forget because he's been there for a few seasons now is lincoln riley's still a really young coach he is yeah and he hasn't he hasn't been in these situations before so as much as we talk about spencer rattler learning on the job it's still Lincoln Riley, too, to an extent. So, um, you know, he has to be a better voice. I think he has to be more stern with guys. Because you, st- you can be stern with them and still be their friend. You can still be that, that likable coach. At the same time, you're doing doing a little bit of tough love. And yeah. I think he needs to find that Like you find somewhere. that mentor role instead of right. I am your friend or I am your coach player. It's more of a mentor, like right in between those two. Right. And that's one thing that... You know, a lot of people don't like Stoops, but he was that guy. Um, I mean, he was he was your best friend off the field, but uh, you'll be put in the doghouse pretty quick if you get on his bad side. So you think that Lincoln Riley should get some of Bob Stoops' tendencies into his repertoire, is what you're saying? It doesn't have to be Bob Stoops. I mean, you can look at any great coach <laughs> and, and, and say that about him. Like, again, Nick Saban. Right. Um, all his players love Nick Saban, but at the same time, you see him about kill people on the sideline for not doing their job. Even his coaches. Yeah. So, and, I mean, he's, he's cutthroat, but at the same time, he, he's got some, some some compassion, apparently. He's got compassion. It's cutthroat, but, I mean, look at the <laughs> titles. Fuck. I mean, it's... <laughs> look at the titles. That's all you need to see are the rings. And that's something that I've been thinking about is, you know, if Oklahoma's really want to take that next step, losing... You know, not not losing Jalen Hurts, but losing a a CD Lamb and a changing of a quarterback should not throw you into turmoil, throw your program into possibly one and three. If you want to be with the big boys like Alabama and Clemson, this shit can't happen. It really can't. And maybe maybe next year is the beginning of that for Oklahoma because I mean, like like we said, Oklahoma. All the recruiting is going to eventually come into fruition, and it looks like that next year we've been talking about the 2021 window. That That's the year that all this is supposed to come together into fruition as far as they're going to be an elite team. And maybe we're going through some growing pains because a lot of these guys are still young. But if you want to be an elite team, you need to execute in an elite, at an elite way, regardless if you're young or if you're if you're older. And so, I mean, I think it's, I think it's why a lot of fans right now, this Despite the fact that Oklahoma has high expectations every year, I think Oklahoma fans look around the rest of the league that's playing everywhere and says, "Are you fucking kidding me? Like this is outrageous. This is Oklahoma. This is you know you you go up twenty one against Kansas State, you beat that team. 
Oklahoma's lost to Iowa State in Ames for over like 60 years. You don't lose that game when you go up by seven in the fourth quarter. And so, I mean, it's just, it's, it, it feels very, and I made this comparison and before the podcast, it seems very 99 Bob Stoops-ish team where the team was young. They did have a lot of really good recruits that Bob himself did not recruit. Uh, the The foundation of that 2000 title team was John Blake, uh, Roy Williams. And they have a, they had a lot of talented guys in 99. And they they were winning several of those games in '99. They did end up going seven and five, but they were winning a lot of those games. They were up on Texas. They were up on that really good Notre Dame team. They were up on several teams, and they just didn't know how to win yet. And I look at this team, and like we said, their best players right now have been freshmen and redshirt freshmen. And you know, and just learning how to win because they've had these leads late. And they just haven't been able to put it away. And maybe that's what the next year carries. Maybe that's what it does. But maybe it doesn't. Maybe it just shows what, what who they are as far as the leadership that they have. So, I mean, what is all of this? What does it suggest about Oklahoma and how close they are to a title despite being 1-2 and two right now and maybe facing 1-3 and three if they don't perform well in the Cotton Bowl next week? <clears throat> As far as like what it suggests, I would just say that the culture is just not there yet. Um, they need to find that culture of winning, that culture of being gritty, um, no excuses. I think they're on the post game, um, especially with the players. There were some excuses said. I think they're gonna look back at that a year, maybe two years from now, and be like, I don't know why I said that. That was dumb. So it's just some growing stuff. Um, how close are they? I think we've all had 2021 circled for a while. Yep. I think it's a little bit farther than that. You think I so? I don't see an elite playmaker there um, that can be that guy on the defensive side, and I think they need that to really get over the hump. Uh, they had that with Kenneth Murray. Just the timing was terrible. Um, but as far as I would say 2022, 2023, um, the one thing they could do is you look at the transfer portal, and there's there's some really good talent there every single season. So maybe you capitalize on that and you bring that window closer. That's fair. And I think offensively, they'll be, I think offensively by the end of the year, they'll be fine. <laughs> I, yeah. I think offensively next year, they're going to be stupid good, especially if everybody stays healthy. And like you get Seth McGowan, oh my God. Some of the things he's doing against that Iowa State defense and still in his high school body, you get him in an offseason training program. I think he could be really spe- – I, th- I said it last night. I think he's going to be better than Rodney Anderson. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he's still in I his – the potential's there. He's still in his high school body. He shows the he shows the ability to cut up field. He I he is one of the more violent runners I've seen in a minute at OU. Like, when he was running last night, I thought of uh, Eddie N from Clemson, like how violent this man was running. It was very clear he was hustling his ass. And like, and he he just gets every yard he can, and I think he he has I think duh he still has some things to learn. I mean he just got done playing you now what at five A football in Texas, and so now he's going up against guys that are roughly one hundred fifty pounds heavier, but just as fast or faster than high school. So I think he's going to be really special. Um, but 
Oklahoma next year, I think offensively, they're going to be elite again. I mean, you get Jaden Hazelwood back. Austin Stogner's a year older. Bridges is pop likely back. I guess uh, Kennedy Brooks is planning to come back, but I don't know if he would want to now. Um, <laughs> you've got the H-backs. Just go. There's probably just go to the NFL. There's probably not a pandemic happening at this point. <laughs> and, I mean, you, you've got a bevy of weapons on offense for the next year. But, like you said, defense, you know, what if you lose it? What if you lose uh, Ronnie Perkins? I mean, you get Jalen Redmond back, who's going to he's gonna come back for next year, and Perian Winfrey's back, and then you've got – Yeah, gosh. You finally get to filter in guys that are the bigger DBs, and you get Harrington, who I think is – now the more we look at it, Harrington would have – he would have played last night and would have been a big piece of a win last night if Harrington was able to play – Instead of having five foot nine Buki and cleats, you know, one eighty, one ninety, you have Justin Harrington, six foot two, six three, two twenty. That's that goes a long way. So I, I think the team I think the team is pretty close. I think I mean I will disagree with you and I'll say I think next year could be really special. I mean, we I think Justin Harrington will be really big. I think Joshua Eaton is gonna be really nice for them when he comes up. I think another year under uh, Coach Brian Odom with the linebackers will be special. And I think with the defensive line, just the amount of depth they lost and building that back up with more Juco guys and more high-quality guys and guys not being hurt. and I think they could be pretty good next year. And I think Do I think they're going to win a national title next year? No. But I, do I think they could go to the cultural playoff next year? Yeah, I never thought this year – I never thought they would go to the cultural playoff this year. I thought maybe the Big 12 title game, but they're just so young. And so – I mean, what? This season is ten games, right? Right. Oklahoma's one and two right now. How many how many how many wins do you think they finish the season with right now? As of right now, your feelings I'll go if things remain the way they are, I'll go six. I say six too. I say six as well. What are the two losses, Texas and OSU? I'll go Texas and TCU. Ooh. Oh wow. Four games in a row, huh? Yeah, and then you start to see that transition happen. But, you know, that's assuming that nothing changes from from this week, from, from what happened right. last night and what they do this week in practice. And, of course, they will, and there'll be different wrinkles, and there'll be different players. And will get guys back, too, so that that would help as well. Like, you get Woody Wa- – I think Woody Washington's going to get playing time. Um, I think Bryson Washington's going to get playing time. I, I, think, I think that you might start to filter in other guys. Uh, I just – but try literally anything and at the end of the day just wrap the fuck up like there's just so many times last night that they just could not wrap up and it was just arm tackles or die diving with their shoulder like what are you doing like i and you can see all the screens on the sideline just going nuts he's just punching the intern yeah gosh (laughs) but man it was last night was something special but uh i'm not I'm not. I'm not here to say that we're sunshine pumping because we obviously aren't. There are things wrong with this team, but I'm not going to say this team is a bad team. I don't think you would. I don't think you would agree. It's not broken beyond repair. Yeah, and I don't. I don't. I think you it would agree that this back. team is generally a good team. They just aren't in sync. Would you say that was fair? Would you? Or would you say they're just not good right now? Uh, they just have to learn. I mean, that's that's all there is. They're on paper. This is one of the more talented teams. The OU has had, especially, especially from a recruiting off- angle, right? Yeah, offensively, defensively, that talent has taken a step up. 
Um, the one downside to that is the talent's young. They haven't been in these situations before. So they're getting thrown into, pretty much getting thrown into life. Yeah, like, so you have to figure it out. It's like, go out there and do it. It's like, it's like they're learning how to win close games, right? Right. I mean, like Baker, Baker kind of had those struggles because he didn't have anybody uh, to show him how to win. But then you go from Baker to Kyler, and Kyler goes out there week one and just blows it up. I mean, he's he's good. So there's, they don't have that that upperclassman uh, presence yeah. that a lot of these other teams. Because Bake had Sterling Shepard and Bake had Deron Neal and Bake had you know a lot of guys around him. Bake had Joe Mixon. Bake had Samaj P. Ryan. I mean, he had do not guys that were you know sophomores around him. He had seniors and juniors that were well established around him when he came in. Spencer Rattler, my guy is operating off of the freshman. <laughs> and that's not going to get you anywhere. I mean, he had Mark Andrews, uh, Grant Calcaterra. Yeah, and, and so there's a, there's definitely going to be a learning curve. And I think once Oklahoma figures it out, specifically the offensive line, I think this team's going to be really good. But we may only get to see six wins out of it, you know? So, I mean, that's all I have. It's a post-game podcast. We're frustrated and just are dehydrated from last night's. Are you going to drink today? I don't know. I, I need to I need to go get a haircut. I need to get my head on straight. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? I'll try not to think about it. Actually, my iPhone this morning woke me up and was like, hey, Due to last, due to this last week, your screen time on your phone was down fifteen percent. I was like, oh yeah, it's probably because I didn't look at my phone as much because oh you lost, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's gonna be down ten to fifteen percent again this week. <laughs> but I mean, that's healthy, right? I'm not looking at my phone as much. I'm pretty sure mine's up because I want to see just the all the replies that I'm getting are just terrible. Oh, I just Ronnie Perkins gonna play corner. <laughs> no, but I mean it's worth a shot. It's worth a shot at this point. Oh man! Like, just try anything. They, I, I don't think they'll. Do you think they'll try anything against Texas? Do you think they'll actually start to roll out those experiments? I think they break something out. They always do for Texas. So there's something. There's a wrinkle in the offense that we haven't seen yet. That they'll pry, probably try against Texas just to throw them off balance. Man, Mikey Henderson was pissed off last <laughs> night too. I don't think he made the trip. I think he was a. Uh, what do you a trace person? contact trace? Con- yeah, yeah. Pretty sure he was contact traced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one thing they could try is just getting getting new cleats because those whatever the Jordan ones are trash. They I slip off. They slip on the turf. Do you think? Because <clears throat> I thought about that last night too. I noticed that the only the Oklahoma players were slipping. Do you think that was a matter of Oklahoma's cleats, or because Iowa State does they this? Know how to tie shoes. Iowa State. I mean, and every team does this, but leaving the grass a certain way in order for Oklahoma to maybe like, there's there's a couple different ways you can shape your turf or your grass, and I think Iowa State is just actual just legit grass, and so you can either just like raise, you could just like razor sharp cut that grass to where if it's a cold night. And if you're not wearing the right cleats, and if it's a little bit wet like it was, you're gonna slip everywhere. Or yeah, you could not cut the grass that that uh, that short, 
and have it be like you're running in the weeds. Whereas like this Iowa State offense, they're not gonna outrun you. They're gonna. Is this turf gate? <laughs> they do, but they do this. Like all the teams do this, especially like for teams against Oklahoma. When they play Oklahoma, they make the sideline, the sidelines turf or the sidelines grass is always higher because that way Oklahoma, if they get to the outside, they're still a little bit slow. That's that's yeah. they all do that. So like I was looking at this, I was like Iowa State is not slipping at all. But we also know Iowa State's offense, they're not predicated on speed. They're predicated on toughness and being bigger than you. So they don't have to worry about slipping. And they even some of them, they even some of them slipped, but I think I don't think it was I don't think it's a cleats. You think it's a cleats? I don't know. I just have a conspiracy theory going right now that I think the Jordan Brand cleats are not that good. Yeah. They look cool, though. I'll stick with Jordan Brand uh, basketball shoes because yeah. Jordan's basketball. But, hey, whatever. Seems to be working well for Florida. But uh, I think I'm ready to get out of here. You ready to get out of here? Yeah, I'm going to go watch some, some real football and maybe drink a little bit more. Yeah. I'm watching. Regroup. Regroup for this next week. Yeah, you're going to need to fully regroup for that one, buddy. <laughs> but, uh, all right, well, actually, go ahead. T- because the Discord was fun last night, uh, why don't you tell everybody about the Discord? Yeah, so uh, we've got a little Discord going. Um, I think a lot of people are starting to move in that direction. Um, it's, I mean, it's a great place to just talk about football. We dropped some info in there. Um, we kind of... You know, the Ronnie Perkins thing, we kind of knew he was on the bus, so we kind of dropped that in there, but we didn't really think he was going to play. Uh, well, up until he was suited up, but uh, we knew he was there, so we kind of dropped that in the Discord. There's a little bit of inside information there. Um, as well as recruiting, we talk about recruiting almost daily, um, even though right now we're kind of in a holding pattern. So there's a lot of talk about um, football, recruiting, basketball. Um, I think there's like a, a gaming server that's had a little bit of action in today, so... And um, the it's, memes, it's fun... the meme server too. Yeah, the, I just try to stay out of there. Yeah, I try to stay out of the memes. It's not good, but it's fun. Um, it's free, so you can always join up. We always drop uh, little links here and there, I and mean, you can always DM us for a link as well. Yeah, and we, we we mentioned the Ronnie Perkins stuff in there yesterday before, like a lot of other people came out and officially said it, and some people said it was not going to happen until it did. So it's not, I'm not going <laughs> to name gonna names, but. Anyways, yeah, go ahead and follow us on CrimsonandCreamMachine.com. Um, you guys can follow us at CC Machine or J. Larry Shields. That's Jack. Uh, you can follow me. I'm at CamerRobbingCCM. You can follow Steven at OUUpdatedSB. Guys, if you're listening to this on iTunes, give us a five-star rating. really appreciate it. And thank you to you guys that have already given us those five-star ratings over the last couple days and weeks. I really appreciate that. So, Right over shootout this week, Texas hate week, both teams coming off a loss that happened during the Stoop Strong era. Should be fun, should be a lot of hate, should be a lot of players wanting to redeem themselves, and that's about it, man. So we'll check you guys later. We're out.